Welcome, welcome, everyone. Thank you for stepping into the Coach's Box. I'm your host, Coach JP3. We got the real Coach K and Coach Natty T with us on this episode. Uh, and we got a little bit of soccer. We got a little bit of NFL. We got your long-awaited Bulls watch with Coach K. Yes, he is back and he is ready to talk all Chicago Bull ish so uh we're gonna do that we got a little bit more <laughs> no NBA in the i'm sorry i'm sorry it was too easy that one was too easy uh yeah we got the twitter sphere was <clears throat> week over uh an old school versus new school type of matchup so for the culture we're just gonna go ahead and talk about that at the end of the episode but first we're gonna kick it off with some soccer it's been a while since we since we've been talking about soccer so uh, Coach Natty T, could you give us a little recap about what you've uh, noticed about the Champions League? Yeah, so this week, uh, two good matchups this week. Um, really, the big news was because Juventus played uh, Porto, which is a Portuguese uh, team, and then PSG played Barcelona. So this was the second leg of the uh basically the final 16 round um, of the knockout stage mm-hmm. and PSG knocked out Barcelona and then Porto in an upset knocked out Juventus. So basically what that means is this is the first time in 17 years in the final eight that we're not going to have Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi in the final eight. So kind of the big topics were that was, you know, kind of developing around the world was, you know, is this is this it for both of them in terms of the Champions League um, competition as far as them winning it? Have they, you know, is, is this like the last time we'll see them in this competitive round? <clears throat> and I'll say no. I mean, I think Ronaldo is going to be 37 next year or, you know, by the time this time next year. And then Messi's going to be 35 because he's 34 right now. I still think they have a lot of left a lot left in the tank, but it is going to be very interesting because you kind of see the changing of the guard with players like Kylian Mbappe, um, Yurin Haaland. Um, He's a, because I forget where he's from, but he plays for uh, Bermisha Dortmund in Germany. And he's like just ridiculous in terms of scoring goals. So it's a it's an interesting uh, dynamic because you know those two have been, you know, the Kobe and LeBron, the LeBron Jordan mm-hmm. discussion of world soccer for you know 15, 20 years now. So for both of them not to be in the final eight, it's it's uh, pretty interesting. So that was my first point. Second point is. This is more of a statement that I need to make. Nerves. Um, this is a good thing because we've seen more American players play on a lot of these bigger clubs. So, for instance, uh, Serginio Des, even though he was technically raised in Holland, but his mother's, I think his mother's American and he, um, you know, lived here for a little bit. He plays for Barcelona, which is that's a big deal. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Really good. Um, Weston McKinney, he plays for Juventus and actually plays for them, starts for them. Um, you have Christian Pulisic, who plays for Chelsea, which that's another big club. 
But the, some of these American soccer fans, y'all going way too overboard. <laughs> Just because they're playing doesn't mean the United States is going to win the next World Cup, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's stop it. This is part of the development phase. And yes, it's good. But let's pump the brakes, people. Calm it down. And number two, I'm going to follow up that statement by those American soccer fans who think it's better if players like Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic and Sergio Des play in the MLS. Because some people think they should be playing in the MLS instead of playing overseas. Mm -hmm. They think that would help grow the game here. I'm like, no, that's stupid. That's like Luka Luka Doncic said, or, you know, or even Tony Parker, any one of those guys saying, oh, you know what? Let's, let's stay in the Euro Basketball League and let's popularize that league. No, you, the way you make the league more popular is by coming to the NBA and killing it. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing you got to do as American soccer players. You got to go over there, not only get on these bigger clubs, but you need to be consistent starters and play well enough to the point where they're not even questioning you in the lineup anymore. That's what they need to do. So that's my soccer recap. I just had to say those two statements because these people are really stupid. <laughs> so a couple of things stood out to me about that. Uh, one, off your last statement, I think it's, it's really imperative for us as Americans, especially to be able to check our egos at the door because we think we have premier everything, like the best of everything that this world has to offer. And, and we are privileged in so many ways. And in some instances, as you mentioned with the NBA, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. the best players in the world play in the NBA. That, that makes total sense. <laughs> it's not the same in soccer, not here, not here in the United States. That's, you know, the, the top dog is overseas. That, that's where the top dogs are. You know, so that I, I think it's it's something that yeah, we want I think it's good that we people want to see the sport here popularized because I I think it's underappreciated here uh, in America. But at the same time, are you really wanting athletes to sacrifice their top moments by spending their their careers here where they're not gonna get near the the notoriety, the dollars or anything like that? to do what they do best. And I think that's very selfish on our part. I think there's other ways that we can help popularize the game here. Uh, so that's that's one thing that I took away from that. Also, when you were mentioning Renato and Messi and hey, this is the first time in a long time we haven't seen them represented here. It almost reminded me, it kind of reminds me of Magic and Burr in the eighties, like every finals, you had one of them in the finals at all times. And then all of a sudden, it was a, the 89 night. Was it the 89 season mm-hmm. or the 90 season? Yeah, one of those seasons when yeah, Detroit and Portland. It was Detroit and Portland. Yeah. Then it was like, oh, are we going to see these guys again? Is that it for the Celtics dynasty, the Lakers dynasty? Uh, and the Lakers were able to make it the, the following year after that. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty much the end of the Celtics uh, in the finals. That's that's one thing that I thought of too. Uh, but it's it's almost a moment that because those two guys aren't there who yeah who's going to make a name for themselves now this gives you prime opportunity to capture this moment and you you mentioned a couple of young cats that can really capitalize on this moment mm-hmm. yep 
And then Neymar as well, but he's always hurt and he just gets on my nerves. As much as I am a PSG fan, I have a PSG jersey on for those listening, but I, that, that needs to be a separate conversation because he gets on my nerves. As, as great of a player as he is, gets on my absolute nerves. But again, that's a conversation <laughs> for a different day. He said, I digress. <laughs> great. He's a he's, you know, phenomenal talent, great player, but man, he gets on my nerves. But, one last question for you before we move on um, mm-hmm. to the NFL. You mentioned that one was 34, another was 37. Is that yes? Yeah, so Ronaldo, well, Ronaldo right now is 36. So okay. if this by this time next year, he's gonna be 37. Um, and then Messi's 34. He's going to be 30, you know, turning 35 soon. So for those that are out there and for Coach K and I, you know, we've never played soccer. Um, and for some of our, our, our listeners out there that haven't played soccer, there's always this conversation of sports affecting athletes differently when it comes to age, how age is maybe a bigger factor in this sport, not so much in that sport. In your opinion and experience, do you foresee these two guys going along much longer? Uh, do you think the age is going to affect them or you still think they have some more time to, to play? I still think they have some more time to play. Um, so in general, most soccer players, at least on that level, most of them start off around sometimes 16, 17 at the professional ranks. And then they'll play all the way up until they're maybe 35, 36 sometimes. Um, Christian, what the unique thing about Cristiano Ronaldo is he's somewhat LeBron-esque in terms of how he takes care of his body. Because mm-hmm. he's very meticulous. I don't, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, people have seen, you know, pictures of him and because he always takes his shirt off when he scores. Right. <laughs> Um, but he's he's almost he's very LeBron like in how he takes care of his body. So he's somewhat of an anomaly. The fact that he's 36 and about to go to, about to be 37 and still playing at a really high level and still scoring a lot of goals. Same with Messi. He I mean, he's just not as <laughs> flamboyant as Cristiano Ronaldo is, but he's a very meticulous about his regimen and his body. And really, just like with most other sports, you're seeing guys play longer because of sports medicine and because the exercise science is a lot better mm-hmm. in the past. Whereas, you know, guys with, with their diet and just overall the maintenance off of the field wasn't as good. Whereas now, I mean, you just have, there's just so much technology and so much that goes into that. So you'll see teams or players play a lot longer. Um, and then to answer your second question, I think, Soccer or, or football, as it's called around the world, I think it is a, a little less taxing on your body, I would say. So I would say it's kind of more along the lines of baseball, if you will, in terms of the, the wear and tear on your body. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they would play as long as baseball players do, right. but... Um, but again, you know, most of the, most of the guys at the professional level start at, you know, 16, 17, 18, and they'll play till they're 35, 36. Mm. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty normal and pretty standard, I would say. So even though there may be an average retirement age, that's 
says like maybe pre 40 or something like that or mid 30s they have a lot of mileage they have a lot of game mileage on them. yeah yeah i mean and really and it depends depends on the position as well so goalkeepers a lot of them can play until they're 39 40 and they'll start at 18 mm-hmm. um so it, it does kind of depend on position but um usually it's not necessarily that your body breaks down per se. Cause so even like Ibrahimovic and he's has his own controversy as we saw a few weeks ago, but he's 39, but his game is so predicated on power. Like he runs as fast now as he did when he was 20. So it doesn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) He's just all power. Um, So it, it depends, but you can play. I mean, you can generally play for a while if you really want to. Um, with with soccer so it's not seeing Cristiano Ronaldo at that age that's not abnormal at all there it is yeah all right that's the soccer insight and the Champions League recap Um, as things develop we'll we'll keep um, talking about it on the show Uh, we get a lot of fans we appreciate all the global love that we've been receiving uh, from fans in in Europe and, and, and India and uh, Australia. So really appreciate y'all support and want to make sure that we put things in there that are global. You know, soccer is definitely one of those things that kind of reaches all of us around the world. Yes. Yeah. And our international listeners, I feel your pain because I I don't, well, they probably don't get the American broadcast that we do, but it's so annoying because they're like, if one of the American players makes one good pass, he's like, oh yeah, that American player. Yeah, Yeah. I don't care. I just want to watch the game. I don't, I really don't care. Goodness gracious. <laughs> like I want to watch Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, the Neymar and Mbappe. I don't care that Wester McKinney had a nice pass on that last play. That's good. That's good for him. <laughs> Man, like quit. Oh. So I, I feel your pain, international listeners, even the international listeners that live in the United States that are listening now. I know that it annoys you guys as well. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Most deaf, most deaf. All right, so we're going to get into some uh, American football now, just for a topic of, you know, looking at the a lot of the shifts that are going on uh, in the off season for the NFL teams. And the question that we're bringing up today is that is, is the current state of the NFL, as far as the power that the players hold, is that shifting? You know, we see it in the NBA where people, if you're good enough, you kind of create your own squad. Uh, it, but in the NFL, it's been much more organization driven, these transactions. And, and so we've seen that even even over this offseason uh, with uh, with the Stafford trade. You know, that was, hey, the Rams are like, I, I don't think we're going to get any further with, with Jared Goff here. Let's see, where does it make sense? Matthew Stafford, OK, that makes sense. Both organizations agree. Let's make it happen. Uh, but now then, but then you, on top of that, you have the JJ Watt. Hey, I'm not playing here anymore. I need, I want to go somewhere else. The Texans release him, allow him to do so. Uh, then you have Deshaun Watson on the Texans saying, Hey, I want to play here. And if you won't trade me, I'm just going to sit the entire season. Basically when to sacrifice a whole season of his career, just to say, Hey, I want to play in a different location uh, is what he sounds like he's willing to do. Uh, it, it, I think, in my personal opinion, there is a slight shift happening because this would be unheard of at all years ago. I believe it's going to be a very slow progression. In the NBA, it happened kind of rapidly. 
after LeBron kind of stepped out there and did his thing, stuff started to happen pretty rapidly with as far as player mobility and their power in that mobility. The NFL has been much slower just to get to this point. And I don't, I don't think we'll start to see a real shift until maybe about five years from now. I think maybe because the organizations are going to try to hold on to this as long as they can, as far as control. The NFL owners have proven time after time with numerous decisions that affect players that they're very stubborn in certain areas. Uh, I think so. I think they're going to hold on to their power as long as they can. But I do think a, a select few will be able to kind of kind of weave their way and be able to make some things happen. But not as much as, as a, a league like the NBA. The J.J. Watt situation, in my opinion, and this may not be the popular opinion, I don't think that was much more about player mobility as far as the Texans saying, you know what, we don't see any long-term worth in you staying here, so you can go do what you need to do. I think they value Deshaun Watson as a much more high-caliber player that they can really get some assets for and try to convince him to stay if there is any of that involved. But J.J. Watt, I felt it it was more of like, okay, we're ready to cut ties with you anyway. So if this is what you want to do, then fine, we'll give you what you want. Uh, so that's just my take on that. I think it's going to take us another five years to kind of see some true power. A lot of it's going to have to do with uh, these bargaining agreements, as we talked about in other episodes with the NBA and Draymond's message to the media and to the players on that. It, it's, it's going to have to be some restructuring to see a true shift, uh, in my opinion, of those things. How do you feel about it, Coach Natty T? Yeah, I think most of my uh, opinions are very similar to yours. Um, but I guess to take it a step further, I see only with quarterbacks and even with quarterbacks, kind of like that top echelon <laughs> quarterbacks, I would say. Right. Um, I don't see – I actually don't see any other position even wielding that sort of power, even – in the next, you know, five, six years or whatever, mm-hmm. because I just think the quarterback position obviously is such an important position in football mm-hmm. that they can have that sort of effect. They already have that effect on the team already, because if you don't have a, at least a good quarterback, you're dead in the water. Yeah. Right. So I think, with regards to the shift in, in, in the NFL, I don't see a NBA like movement, I would say, mm-hmm. at least to that level. Um, I do think, let's say, for example, say, um, you know, we just saw two of Kansas City's offensive linemen got let go. Partially, that was, I think, yeah, I mean, partially, you know, it's injuries and, and all of that because both of them are coming off um, pretty significant surgeries and they're both like, you know, 29, 30. So they're probably like, well, we don't know if you're going to be the same and we need to, you know, save some money on the cap. So let's let you guys go. But let's say it's a disaster next year, right? <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes has a change of heart. Like, just hypothetically speaking, if he said, you know what, Kansas City, I know I signed this deal last year, but this isn't working out. Mm-hmm. Would they trade him? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but if there's one quarterback that could demand a trade and probably wield that sort of power, it'd be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. 
Now, flip side, if Jake Locker or Mitchell Trubisky or um, <laughs> I'm sorry, means <laughs> <laughs> Trubisky. <laughs> he ain't going nowhere. Not on his, his leverage. He ain't going. Uh, right, right, right. Now let's say one of those guys say that they're like, okay. <laughs> So, you know, I, I do think it's going to be a reserve for a select few. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, I think it's so unprecedented by NFL standards, even to have those top level quarterbacks, even because even a Russell Wilson going where he's going right now mm-hmm. um, and being willing to. Well, obviously, he hasn't really come out publicly and really said, hey, I don't want to be here with the Seahawks. But even to kind of play these little mind games and these Cold War games, if you will, as I like to put it. Yeah. Um, same with Deshaun. Even with Dak Prescott to a certain degree, right? I mean, he got his money, so it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him kind of playing hardball with Jerry Jones a little bit. I mean, more power to him. But, again, I only see it for those select few quarterbacks. I don't see it for the rest of the position players at all because they're just – from an NFL perspective – you know, running backs, wide receivers, linebackers, um, you know, cornerbacks, linemen, I, I think they're too, quote unquote, disposable from a NFL uh, organization standpoint. I think those positions are too disposable in their opinion, because you can always find somebody else to do that. But you can't find a Deshaun Watson everywhere. You can't find an Aaron Rodgers somewhere everywhere. You can't find a Tom Brady everywhere. So that's... That explains perfectly why J.J. Watt got to move on and Deshaun did. <laughs> yeah, that's why. And that's the whole point of why there's this whole battle with Deshaun. Because, I mean, even because I, I get it, like, even if you trade them for, you know, a whole gang of picks, because they're going to want a whole King's ransom for Deshaun Watson. Right. Because mm-hmm. my personal opinion, I think they just haven't received the right offer yet for him. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but because think about it. You already mentioned it. If they can trade Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff and what, two first round picks? If I'm Houston, I'm like, look, you, you need to give me a quarterback. I need like your next five first round picks yeah, and a few other players. And you need to give me cash mm-hmm. <laughs> for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. No disrespect to Matt Stafford because he's very talented himself, but, you know, I, I need all that. But even if you do get all that, you're still probably not going to get another Deshaun Watson. Mm-mm. So, mm. yeah, you have you got to be able to get the right guy or, or the, the right pick. And even getting the right pick is a super risk because you don't know how that pick's going to turn out for you. Yeah, I mean, the draft is kind of a crapshoot because you really don't know how guys are going to react until they actually play. Because you can evaluate players all you want, but until they get out on that field and actually execute, you really don't know. Yeah, I agree with you on the – it's going to be kind of an exclusive quarterback type of yeah. power shift. And I also think the power shift more in the NFL is going to go more towards that actual contract side of things, more so than me being able to leave a team and hop around and say, like, okay – since I don't have that power to just kind of choose where I want to go and get my way up out of here. Now that I'm here, 
I need some, I need some more guaranteed money, um, a no trade clause, whatever that is to be able to protect and give myself some security since, since I'm already here. I think that's where the, the, the player power is going to end up being, not necessarily being able to hop around, but get a better deal if you're going to sign, a, sign on the dotted line. You're going to sign something that you want uh, for players that are, are very talented in different positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, Coach K, I know you wanted to weigh in a little bit um, on this one. What are some of your thoughts about the current state of the NFL and player power shifts? Um, I think – I think kind of I agree with what, what's been said. Um, I think obviously the QBs will hold the most the most power. Um, for me, I think it'll. I think it's like a select few, and when I say select few, I mean uh, Tom Brady and uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think they hold the most power in the NFL because I mean. Well, I feel like they're two of the most tenured quarterbacks um, as far as, uh, I don't know, because I just think they they have the most pull. Um, Tom Brady, uh, I say Tom Brady because, I mean, you saw what happened. Like, he went to sign with the Bucks. He brought <clears throat> He brought Gronk out of retirement. You saw some of the other players. I mean, Antonio Brown. Uh, Leonard Fournette, <clears throat> and I mean, you saw what happens. I mean, they have a championship. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers has at least some sort of pull as as far as uh, I probably his pull is probably more so with the uh, with the Packers organization. But I think if he were to get up and say, "Hey, I I went out of here and like he went and signed with another team," I think you would he he would be able to to. Uh, to pull, uh, I mean, people with him to, you know, whatever team you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And I th- I'm not just saying that just because he's Aaron Rodgers, but also I feel like he's real well respected within the league too. Same thing with Tom Brady. Uh, <clears throat> Russell. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and you know, I think, I think too, I think, I think, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he probably I'd put him like third on that list. Uh, if Cam Newton was still, if he was still any sort of relevant, I would put him on the list too. But I think it really depends on like who the player is, like what they've done, also what type of situation the team is in. I think that I think why it worked out for Dak is, I mean, I mean we got Andy Dalton, we kind of saw that he didn't really do didn't really do too much. So I, I think the I think eventually, uh, I mean, he did get paid, but I think it, what other options did, did, did the Dallas Cowboys have? None. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really, it, I think it just it kind of it kind of depends on what type of player you are. But and that we have some situations too where where players act out and we see what happens. So. <laughs> It's I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years, but uh, you know, kind of like what's been talked about. It, it all comes down to these collective bargaining agreements and how these contracts come out. And yeah, uh, but I can definitely see more guaranteed money up front um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. It, it was 
it was really interesting to see as contracts are being restructured across different sports, how the guaranteed money for NFL players was so much lower, you know, than the NBA and uh, MLB, stuff like that. It's like, this is literally the most violent of the major sports. And you're talking about less guaranteed money for these contracts. <laughs> Something doesn't sound right there. So for Dak to have an $140 million, it was $140 million contract, um, $160 million contract, whatever. And then, yeah, it's $40 million a year. And then to have most of that money guaranteed, I think it was 124 or something like that, that was guaranteed out of that contract. Like that's, that in itself is definitely unprecedented. I, yeah, yeah, but good for him, good for him. Yeah, plus I think the way they, they structured it too, cause that Tom Brady just did it too. They, cause they restructured it to where they can make more of it like a signing bonus. Mm-hmm. So that way it doesn't actually hit the, the salary cap for the team. Because like mm-hmm. signing bonus money, it doesn't technically hit the cap. So I think that's what they did mm-hmm. with tax deal. So yes. they could probably see that sort of structure come to play more often. Because I mean, as a player, like I don't really don't I, I don't really care how you give it to me. I just want my money. I want. Well, my- I get it. Yeah. That's yeah. Not and yeah. I think it was the team to be able to spend some money elsewhere to complement your talent. Uh, mm-hmm. So like they need to fix up their offensive line a little bit in there. They really need to invest on the defensive end. Uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys do. And so this gives them a little bit of wiggle room to, to get a couple of pieces going to the new year. But yeah. Yeah. And you brought up Dak Prescott. He better produce. That's all I got to say. Yeah. yeah you got to produce now. Like, yeah. Yeah. You set the precedent. You saw, you know, you showed your value. And sometimes you show your value by not playing and, and seeing what, the, you know, the team has to work with now. So that would definitely <laughs> happen. But now make sure you, you play well enough to, you know, to, to keep earning that contract. But I, I think yeah. you know, I, I have more faith in Dak than I do in the Cowboys organization in general. So I think he'll do his part to hold it, hold up the end of the deal. So what, yeah. well, we have three, well, two and a half Cowboy fans here. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is so sad. <laughs> I mean, do, do you, you think that's worth the money? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else we have to do. I think, I think, I mean, I think Dak should have got paid a long time ago. But I think he has. I think I'll just say I think he has the incentive. At least he has the incentive now to co- to go out and produce. You know, so I mean, I think now it's now is the time where you know the rubber meets the road. So yeah. we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's not like it's not like we don't we don't have a shot. But so my opinion is that I don't think any of them are worth that money. Like just like dollar to human value. Like I don't, I don't think the quarterbacks that are getting that type of money are necessarily worth that, but they're not, it's not their fault. They didn't set the market. You know, some organization, the organization set that market by paying Kirk cousins, this amount of money to not get into the playoffs. You know, you know, Ryan Tannehill, X amount of dollars. Now he has taken the team to the playoff to his credit. You know, he's performed better than Kirk Cousins has. But when you when you have players like that, really what you're doing now is you're pinning 
you're giving the quarterbacks that are better than that leverage. So if I'm marginally better than Kirk Cousins, why would I take any less money than him? Even if I'm just a little bit better. If I'm one game better than Kirk Cousins, then I need to get one game better more in my contract. And that could be, that could take the place of millions of dollars. Uh, So that, I I don't, so Dak is, I would not like to pay anyone that much money, but it's not Dak's fault that that's what the market calls for. So he did what he needed to do to secure his bag. And I have no, you know, no qualms with that at all. So let me, let me ask this question. Isn't it better to sign some of these players to long, long long-term deals earlier in their career versus like later? Because Yeah, that's what they're going mean, to do. That's what I the feel like are going to do with Justin Herbert. Watch, just watch. That's what they're going to do. I, they're going to get him early. That's why. That's why I'm like Dallas had a chance to to you know get this done and over with. So really, I blame this on the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I listen. I think Dak's worth every penny because I don't think Jerry Jones need to save any more money. Make him pay that money. Pay every last penny. <laughs> that's billionaires. I, you're talking about billionaires. That's what I'm saying. They're talking I, I, like Kirk Cousins. Go get that bag, dog. Make them pay. Kirk that. Cousins, man, he can, he can have a bag of nails, man. I don't. Have a bag <laughs> like I said, I don't think Kirk Cousins is that great, but I'm just saying, in terms of making billionaires pay up, I have no problems with it. No problem. No problem with Trubisky, it. Trubisky, Trubisky. If you can get your, if you can get your bag, bro, go ahead and do it. Yeah, go ahead and do it. Go ahead. I won't it. stop you. Because again, like you said, I mean, I think. I think there's a difference between the market and how good you are because you getting paid is not necessarily how good you are. It's just, it was your time up and you were free, a free agent at that time. So could I just, cause the, this money doesn't change Dak as a player. I think he's going to still be the same Dak, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. I mean, cause you're still going to need to build that team around him. You're still going to need to build, kind of rebuild that offensive line because those guys are a little older. Mm-hmm. You're still going to yeah. need a better defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're getting torched on the Yeah, day. so oh. I don't, you know, I think them paying him doesn't really change anything for me or even, you know, Deshaun or, you know, next the next one's coming up is going to be Josh Allen, um, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're these guys are going to get what forty five. They're probably going to get Patrick Mahomes like forty five, fifty million dollars a year. Because remember, the cap is going to go way up next year again because the TV deal gets renegotiated. So the cap is almost going to, I think, double next year. Mm-hmm. So Dak's contract a year from now, two years from now, is going to look cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have no problems with it because the money, the inflation is always going to go up. Money's always going to go up. So make them pay. Shoot, I, I, I am not about saving money for billionaires. No, not at all. <laughs> so I'm all about it. Like, get us every last penny that you can, even if you stake. Go ahead. <laughs> get your money. <laughs> get your money. Yeah, make them pay that money. Because yeah. the only thing, like I said, the only thing – that you could do to get around that is sign people early and you kind of shave a few million dollars. And to Coach K's part, it's Dallas's fault, Jerry Jones' fault. You could have had him at what, maybe 28, 29 mil per year two years ago. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. You don't want, like, you don't want to decide to wait. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the price went up, dog. 40 mil. 
so what this is going to do this I, this is going to in turn help the up and coming quarterback yeah. right because if now Josh Allen may be may say something like well you know uh, I'm going to go ahead and I want more of the top dogs because look I've gotten this team to the playoffs got this team deeper players y'all ain't never seen y'all never been there in a long time since Jim Kelly right you never been there in a long time now you're Justin Herberts who have proven that they can play in this league and can run the team but haven't had the team success those are the folks that you can leverage now if you're if you're the organization and say all right we know this is going to be our guy but before he gets too successful we're going to go ahead and, and get him to sign something so we can we can shave some millions off here and he can still be with us. Yeah, that that's what we're going to start seeing. At, whenever this happens, the owners are going to always try to come on the front end and find a way around the loophole around the situation so they don't have to spend that much money. No, you're, you're right, because I think and this is where numbers are tricky, because even if you compare because because I. I I mean, obviously we don't know, but I, they have the same agent, Dak and, or they, their, their agents are at the same agency, I should say, Dak's agent and uh, Deshaun's agent. Mm -hmm. He used Deshaun as a comp. Yep. And technically, I think, I think Deshaun Watson's better than Dak Prescott. So do I. But if we're going to go off numbers, quote unquote, Dak's numbers are actually better. He has more wins. His completion percentage is slightly higher. His, you know, touchdown to interception ratio is higher. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just like the tangible numbers. Yeah, Dak should get I paid. Wanna, 40, he should get. I want to see. Yeah, I want to see the yards after after catch. Though. Like what the yards after the catch. That's, That's what I want to see. But at the same time, like that, those are the numbers that they use because that that's because Dallas is going to sit at the table and be like, well. And, then, and Dallas' like, division is fresh. Well, yes, no, true, but again, those things, those things aren't stats. That those are those are just kind of like our opinions. Those are just kind of like the arbitrary opinions of different people, right? Because a division title is a division title. Yeah. Technically, even playoff wins, yeah. right? Dak has yeah. two. Deshaun has what? He has two. Yeah. Yeah. One to two, yeah. That's it? Yeah. That's it. And then people say, well, you know, Dak's never taken a team to an NFC Championship game or a Super Bowl. Neither is Deshaun. Deshaun. Mm -hmm. And he got how much? And nobody nobody was raising up in arms when Deshaun got his money, right? That's right. So that's what I'm saying. That's why numbers are tricky. Like, stats are tricky because you can formulate whatever stats to say what you want to say. Because you can put it into whatever context you want to. You can say yeah. that. Um, yeah, Dak would throw for a, a ridiculous amount of yards in the game. It's like, well, yeah, they were behind by 21 points in most of the game, so they're going to throw the ball. Uh, Deshaun, their team had to keep playing from behind this season, so he gets a bunch of passing yards this season. So him and Dak probably would have been neck and neck for like, yeah. you know, yard yards in the season. And all, and I think Deshaun overall is done more with less because i mean that cowboy team was pretty stacked yeah you know especially the early zeke years mm -hmm. but again i mean if i'm dax agent i'm like i'm not talking about zeke i'm talking about Dak. yeah <laughs> you guys said deshaun has won this amount of games my quarter my eight my client 
has won more games, right? right. Even Kirk Cousins, we already well, we mentioned him. We feel like that yeah, was a waste I of money. But technically, if you that look at the yards, <clears throat> especially those three years in Washington, yeah, it was like top two, top three in the league passing yards. Mm-hmm. So that's why stats are dangerous, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like what measure are we using to to determine how much these quarterbacks are getting paid, right? I mean, right. what is it subjective or is it tangible? Or is it a little bit of both? I don't know. That's why I don't mind those guys getting paid, because it's like, look, for force the owners to pay that money, man. The only person I had a problem getting paid was Jay Cutler. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole different. And Tony Romo. And Tony Romo. Tony was was okay. Uh, but definitely Jay Cutler. I, I'm definitely with Jay. The <laughs> thing is, Tony making more money now than he was as a player, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you know, I thought it was interesting that you talked about, hey, you know, it doesn't matter the context of these numbers. This is what my clients are responsible for. And, you know, Drew Rosenhaus has pretty much made a living off of that very thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, for those who are not familiar, Drew Rosenhaus represents a variety of athletes um, from different sports. And so he's, he's dab, you know, baseball clients, basketball clients, football clients. And so, you know, Terrell Owens was one of his clients. Terrell Owens was one of his clients. Um, was it, was it Alex Rodriguez? It, or, I can't quite remember. Um, but that was one. But what he would do is he would literally look at the most um, effective numbers and look at and just be able to build a portfolio and say, this is why you need to pay my player like this. And, and he would even say, he would even go down to the minutia of like stuff that organizations didn't even think about at the time. Mm-hmm. When you got players on base, how many times does my player get them home? They get them home uh, 56% of the time. The next best player is 48% of the time. So now what does that mean for my client? You know, like that, like that type of stuff, just getting into the numbers and crunching them. Uh, yeah. People are using it. That's why I'm not, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not mad if they get their money. Like, I'm mad. You just mad because we ain't getting that money. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, if Dak's supposed to be mediocre and he's getting paid 40 mil, like, sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah, man. I'll take 600,000. I'll, I'll take six. I'll take 100,000 just to grow on the field and hold the – and just hold the ball in place for the uh, for the field goal kick. Yeah, I'll, man. Hey, that's – I'll just move out the way when somebody comes. Yeah. That's right. Yep. I'll show up to every practice and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm be the best holder this league has ever seen. Yo. <laughs> I'm gonna spin them laces around, man. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, Coach K, we're gonna throw it back to you. It's been a while since you've done your Bulls watch, uh, our Bulls watch with Coach K. So, you got a couple weeks to 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 make up for. What is your take on the Chicago Bulls right now? Uh, my take is I really think we're better than what we're showing. Um, it's it really it really it really seems it really seems like I think our biggest problem is defense because 
that that's the biggest problem. I mean, if if you if you have a stacked team, I mean, we're gonna we're just gonna have issues. I think. <laughs> um. Because like when in, when in defense we're like in the bottom like bottom ten of the league, so right. I mean that's tra- that that is trash. But I don't know. I think we have a chance. I still think that we're by the end of the season. I think we're going to have that eight seed. Um, I don't think I don't think the New York Knicks are. <laughs> nah, you look at me while I'm talking to you. <laughs> 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 I do not believe the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks are for real. Like they're going to fall off. So um, now we play. We're playing the Miami Heat tonight. And tonight it's going to be a, a really, a really telling game of, as to whether or not you know we're going to, um, you know, how how the rest of the season is going to shake out. But like I keep saying before, we keep playing like the we keep playing like the tougher teams. Like oh, we're 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 not getting blown out. The last game we got blown out was by Philadelphia. Um, yeah, so but Philly I, with no Embiid or Simmons though. Uh, you didn't have to bring that up, bro. Um, <laughs> that was been, been an all. I mean, we could chalk it up to an All Star break. Maybe they was just still on vacation. All Star race, All Star yeah, break. But that's not. Like, but that was not good. We're. I mean, it's so. It's so like literally two games like separates us from being in like the sixth seed. Like it's that close in the Eastern Conference. It is. It is. Charlotte is a, is the sixth seed at eighteen and eighteen. And y'all are yeah. the 11th seed at 16 and 19. So very close. Mm-hmm. Very close. So I think, man, look, I'll make this guarantee. I guarantee you that we're going to be in the playoffs. If we don't make it to the playoffs, barring there's no trade for – there's no trade that involves Zach Levine. I, if, if we're not in the playoffs with, without uh, – if we're not in the playoffs and we have Zach Levine on the team, I will go out and buy a Carlos Boozer jersey and wear it on the show. Well, we're looking forward to you wearing that on the show. So uh, <laughs> you can find one. I think they probably burn the rest of them. Yeah, you might have to go on eBay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll find I'll find one somewhere. AliExpress. Back <laughs> <laughs> from overseas, dog. But yeah. I think well, I think you guys will get a chance though because I think this year they're doing the play-in playoff. Yeah scenario yeah. again. So I think you just need you at least need to be was it 10? Because it's yes yeah, mm-hmm. eight. Yeah, so seven and eight play and then nine and ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you, yeah. as long as you're in the 10 spot at, at minimum, I mean you should at least have a chance yeah. to get in. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, for me this year is just like, I don't know. It's it's really just trying to see like what we have. And I know we have a good young team and like, I think we have the right coach, but I think of uh, eventually it's just like, who's going to want to come to Chicago and play, you know, for, for that, for the Bulls organization. So I'm trying to figure out like what's going to happen to change the culture there. And, you know, I'm hoping having like Billy Donovan there, like, kind of does something. I, I don't, I honestly don't think, I think Billy Donovan is just a good coach for like younger players. Um, we saw what he did with uh, Chris Paul and, uh, you know, an empty pack of cigarettes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, 
so I think I think he's a good interim coach, but I think I still think I mean we're definitely a few pieces away. Like I I think it's going to take too long to build from the draft. So yeah, it it all depends on like if we trade Zach Levine, like what are we going to get in return? And I don't think the return will be. I don't think the return will be as good unless I mean I don't want more draft picks. Um. I can't think like what marquee player can you get for um can you get for a, a Zach Levine and like I look through the NBA and I can't really I can't really see I can't really see any viable options so like I say keep Zach Levine and see what you can build around him um and and try to <laughs> try to find the the best recruiters you can to to bring people to the city of Chicago because I mean, Chicago is not a bad market, you know, and I think you know once the pandemic is over, like people are going to be wanting to come to the games. So it's you know it's it's one of those things where I feel like Chicago is probably going to make the make the make a dumb decision and just trade Zach Levine for I don't know three three. <laughs> Two or three marginally good players and some draft picks, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But Otto Porter and some draft picks. Oh God. <sighs> I, I'm glad you're more you're more optimistic, Coach K, than I am about this. <laughs> playing Miami tonight. I just want to list like your upcoming games. Toronto, yeah. that's a L. That's a that's a win. That's a win. That's a L, bro. Come on, man. No, that's a win. That's OKC, a win. you might get a dub against OKC. That's a W, yeah. The Spurs, L. That's possible. We'll see what happens. Denver, L. That's possible. We played them close the last game we played them. Detroit, <laughs> y'all might get Detroit. Y'all might get Detroit. We got Detroit. Utah, L. We could. Yeah, that's L. That's L. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland, that, that, that's a tough that's an L. That's an L. I that's mean, no, that's a definitely no. <laughs> that's a L. no, no, no. Now hear me. No, out. You had it right the first time. You had it right the first time. That's an L. No, that's an L for Cleveland. Oh, okay, that's okay. what that's what I was saying. Yeah. Then you play the Spurs again. I think we'll get one of those Spurs games. Okay, Golden State. That's a toss up. We'll see. And that Phoenix. was defense y'all play. Well, that's the thing. It's just like if we can out – we win by outscoring teams. Like, that's the only way we can win. Like, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Honestly, I see a lot of L's on your schedule in the future. <laughs> the month of March. At least through the month of March. Your April starts up a little bit better, but March is going to be mm-hmm. tough for y'all. Yeah, March is going to be tough. Yeah. Um well, thank you for the the Bulls watch with Coach K. Big ups to Zach Levine in the All Star game, the three point contest held his own there. Um, you know, we did talk about a little bit some of our predictions for for the All Star game and how the teams panned out, who was snubbed and who wasn't, who shouldn't have been on there. Uh, I think we pretty much came up with a consensus that Team LeBron was going to win without KD playing. You know, we kind of talked about that. Um, that speaks for itself. That speaks for itself right there. It was dope just to see Curry and Lillard just kind of go off there and just go, you know, on the same team. It's just like, man, like that, 
it was just amazing to watch that. But Coach Natty T, your boy Giannis got MVP. What was he, 16 out of 16 from the field, banked in a couple threes? Hey. Trash. <laughs> hey, before, but no, no, hold up. Before before Coach Natty T gets started, I have to say something <laughs> about I have to say something. Uh, Giannis is the most impressive, non-impressive basketball player I've ever seen. How does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that means that means he's the the best average player I've ever seen in an All Star game. Okay. Okay. I'm throwing shade. I guess so. Uh, I, I, I think I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, how you feel about your boy getting MVP? I thought it was complete trash. <laughs> I was like, the fans are going to vote for Giannis because he was 16 for 16, which is complete garbage. You did I don't, call know, it. I don't know what's wrong. I think people are just really stupid these days. I don't understand. Like, did you guys watch the game? I mean, and they're like, oh, he hit three three-pointers. He's expanding his game. I'm like, no, he's not. Two of the threes were bank shots. Anybody that plays basketball knows. If you're not calling a bank shot, that's actually a bad shot. Like, you miss the rim <laughs> so bad that it hit the backboard and happened to go in. Like, he did it twice. He did. He did. Like, come on, man. Like, stop it. Stop it. Whatever, man. Because, like, I like I said, I predicted it. So when Coach Wake Up was like, all right, what's our predictions? I was like, fans going to pick Giannis. Mm. Even though Steph – I mean, I, I thought Dame should have got it. But, I mean, even if they gave it to Steph, I wouldn't have been mad. Because yeah. both of them were playing great. Yeah. Both of them were having a, you know, a logo three-point shooting contest. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it was that was fantastic, but of course, the fans gonna pick Giannis because they're gonna get caught up in that. Oh, he was 16 for 16. I'm like, dude, they were all dunks and layups and two bank shot threes. That's not impressive. <laughs> I, mean, I had to tease you, I had to tease you on that one. I was like, oh man, I can't believe it. I can't believe that. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, man. I, you know, you talked about. Uh, logo Lillard and, and, and Curry throwing up the three-pointers and just just hooping. I My favorite part of All-Star Weekend was actually the three-point contest. I thought it was absolute high-quality shooting uh, from those guys. Uh, Coach Natty T, you talked about it before we went on air today, how you know, I think it was Jalen Brown had 17 in the first round. That used to be able to get you to a, a pass to the second round. Not anymore. Not anymore. Like, I, I just thought it was amazing because you had Mike Conley shot the round of his life, 28 <laughs> in the round. And Curry was like, oh, that's cute. And goes out and gets 31 in his first round. I'm like, what is happening right now? He didn't like, break a sweat either. Like, it was just easy. Nah, he was, nah, he wasn't sweating. Yeah, he wasn't sweating at all. Like, I, he just made it look so easy. Uh, I, it was just, it was just amazing. And then Conley had a really good next round too. You know, he didn't drop off and Curry was like, I got it. And he was just so comfortable. Like the moment didn't get to him at all. And I know it wasn't a real game, but it's still for people who are competitive, a competition that if you miss that last shot, 
you lose. And, and, and Steph didn't even – he barely batted an eye. He just calmly shot it. He didn't rush his shots. He just calmly did because he knows he got it. He knows he got it. Uh, but I thought that was absolute high-quality shooting by those guys during All-Star Weekend. Yeah. yeah, I think, well, the three-point context, I mean, that's taken over as the marquee event for, well, what normally is Saturday night. Um, you know, the dunk contest was, I mean, it was a bit disappointing. Um, but I did like that they had at least just some unknown guys, but I think it should be at least a little, like somewhat of a mix. But I feel like now, you know, in today's world, in today's NBA, I think guys are just afraid to kind of, be in these competitions, if you will, because, you know, if they lose, does that hurt their brand or, you know, I think guys are kind of thinking about that more than just going out and just, you know, just having fun. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. I want to see the Zach Levines and the Aaron Gordons and the Zion Williamson's mixed in with these guys. These yeah. young guys. Well, Aaron Gordon, I think he said he's not going to do it again. And I, I agree with him because the judges screwed him twice. Well, one and a half. At least half. once. At least, yeah. once. Yeah. At least once they screwed him. Yeah. Cause that was that was that was garbage. What they did to him, but whatever. Any dude that is sitting in midair with the ball going between his legs over a mascot, you win. You're supposed to win. You're that. That's a dub. That's a dub. I don't care what the other guy does. <clears throat> like I, that's a dub. I don't understand. I don't understand at all. I, I know sometimes big guys get robbed in general, and since he's a bigger guy, I don't know. But that that's that athleticism. We haven't seen that before. Even when the line, the he was on the the little Steinway joint and spinning three sixty, like you know how hard it nope. is to time that and then catch it and then do a three sixty yourself one handed. Like that's crazy. That was nuts. It's but, like, what do you gotta do to win the dunk contest? Like that's what I'm saying. Like the judges messed that up, man. They messed that one up real yeah. bad. But thank you, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, Dwayne, yeah, man, Dwayne Wade, man. <laughs> That's why they were clowning him so hard now. Yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> Made my man go out and cut a mixtape. Uh, they, they don't even give him numbers to vote at the end. You just got to do a name. It's the Dwayne Wade. Yeah, they have to because, yeah, guys keep screwing stuff up. <laughs> oh, All right, we're going to move on to um, the 2021 Basketball Hall of Fame class was announced. Uh, so looking at the, no the nominees here. Uh, so there's a long list. I'll just throw out a couple um, not notable names as far as the coaching ranks are concerned. Rick Adelman, um, really, really good basketball coach. Uh, coached a lot of talented uh, Sacramento Kings teams. Uh, spent some time in Houston as well. Chauncey Billups, um, part of the 2000, it was a 2004 championship team for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Chris Bosh is on the list. Uh, two-time champion with the Miami Heat, uh, perennial all-star even before then with the Toronto Raptors, uh, Muggsy Bogues, short, shortest, shortest dude to play basketball pretty much, just crossing people up and, and had a solid career, spent a lot of his time in, uh, in Charlotte before moving on to uh, Toronto. Marcus Camby, uh, I thought was interesting off this list too. So Marcus Camby spent a lot of his time in New York they did go to the finals that year and lost to the Spurs in 99. Uh, Michael Cooper, uh, one of the championship Lakers, Showtime Lakers players. Uh, let's see, Michael Finley, uh, 
big win. Spent a lot of his time hoping for Dallas. Richard Hamilton was also part of that 2004 Pistons team. Tim Hardaway, part of Run TMC with Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond. Uh, Mark Jackson, uh, analyst, uh, now at ESPN. George Carl coached the uh, Supersonics team with Sean Kemp and Gary Payton that uh, played the 72-10 Bulls in the championship. Uh, just fell short with them. Uh, you got Sean Marion on here. You got Paul Pierce is one of the bigger names on here. Uh, wheelchair Paul, as they call him, I guess. Uh, championship and is it, was it 2008 they won the championship with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen. Uh, ben Wallace, also part of that 2004 Pistons championship team, defensive player of the year. Chris Weber, uh, one of the best basketball players I've seen not to win a championship. Um, so those are some of the names there uh, for the men's side of players and coaches. So Coach Natty T, what, what, what are you thinking from this list? Any names stand out? Any names surprise? Or, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, two things. The first one, <laughs> got to talk about it before we hopped on, but was Chris Bosh because, you know, my, my mind goes to LeBron and. You know, <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Yes, here we go. Because, you know, the, the <laughs> argument is, oh, LeBron had no help. But listen, man, on that Miami team, like, he was playing with three other Hall of Famers. So that kills that argument. And it really just kills that whole help argument to me because when it's all said and done, LeBron's going to have played with a lot more Hall of Famers than MJ did. So mm -hmm. that's enough of that talk for me. Um <laughs> <laughs> number two and really what what goes through my head with and it's the basketball hall of fame so i think a lot of those guys they're including their college contributions as yes. well yes but when we talk about the basketball hall of fame is it really the basketball hall of fame or are some guys just like the hall of like really really good mm. You sound like Skip. Oh, right man, now. I don't like this. Don't well, like this. for some of the guys, I'm not saying, I, you know, I, for some of those like names, who? you know, are, are they like just who? like really, really good? Like maybe like like a Tim Hardaway? Like, is he really a Come hard? on, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, the crossover, man, come on. No, I mean, he's, I'm not saying he wasn't a nice player. I'm not saying he's not a great player. I'm just saying the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Come on, man. Uh, do you feel you're that tripping, way? You're tripping right now. I mean, I, listen, I love me some Tim Hardaway. Let's see, you know, the old baby and the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, so what about Muggsy? Hall really good? Or Hall of Fame? Really good. I mean, I think he was... I think he's really good. Fair enough. Uh, Mr. Big Shot, Chauncey Billups. I don't think they need somebody. They need somebody from that from that Pistons team. Yeah, to be in the Hall I mean, of Fame. You know, I get Rip Hamilton. Somebody. Yeah, I mean, Ben Wallace is on there. Yeah, Ben Wallace is on there. I mean, I think Ben Wallace at least he he at least at least deserves to get nominated. Yeah. I just, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, that's that's just where my initial gut feeling goes. Just some of the names on there, just 
I, I don't know. So it, uh, is some of your issue, even for these guys that have, that have a ring, is it, is it one thing to say, wow, you know, you got one year, you had a good run that mm-hmm. year, that shouldn't make you a Hall of Famer. Is, is that is that more the issue that you're having? Yeah, again, for me, uh, even in, in all sports, I, I think, and again, I have to really look at everybody's resume in depth. But I think sustained greatness for a long time matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a like a Marcus Camby, and I know, and again, I know it's the basketball hall of fame, so they're including his college efforts. And in college, he was a beast. So yes, yes, you know, sir. I you know, and even like I, I would say Chris Weber is less debatable, but I would say his college career was better than his NBA career. Yeah, I think it was a two well, I mean, NCAA final appearance. Yeah, and plus in college, and you know, he was like Chris Weber. He was top, top dog. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I I understand that, but I don't know. That that it's just Come my on, gut man. feeling is it's Chris Weber. No, I mean again, I don't I'm not <laughs> saying I have a problem if these people get in. <laughs> <laughs> He's so hurt. <laughs> I'm not saying, again, I, I'm not saying, I don't have a problem if they get in. I'm just saying that's my gut reaction. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, if Chris Weber gets in as a Hall of Famer, I'm not I'm not going to, like, go protest outside Springfield, Missouri, uh, Massachusetts, and be like, oh, he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, or even say that he shouldn't be. I'm just saying that's my initial gut reaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, looking at this list, there's a lot of guys with, no hardware on this list and and, yeah. and and just as a caveat i'm not clarifying championships because i'm not that doesn't qualify you as a hall of famer to me mm-hmm. like robert ori isn't a hall of famer to me right right just because on, he big shot talking about big shot bob well yeah he had big shots <laughs> like but that's it like you know he's gonna be in the hall of fame at some point though but i and i understand that but again like I don't know. It just—it's—it's <laughs> it's really tough. Like it's Mark tough. Jackson, Mark Jackson to me, no rings does have a finals appearance. But I think he's like top. Was he top five in assists? And assists all time. So, he had sustained greatness for what he was called to do. Yeah, for an extended period of time. You know, Reggie Miller was the clear scorer on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he ran that offense for the Knicks and Pacers teams. And uh, it's specifically mentioned that he's going in for his player. So, like, his coaching thing, I don't think it's being considered at all here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he had a, a solid career at St. John's, too. So, I, I guess I could see that. So, the, maybe that's you're talking about that sustained type of play throughout a career. Um, I just – again, I really – it's hard for me to really explain it. It's just my gut reaction. Yeah, how do you, you know what I'm saying? Because again, like like for instance, with with the uh, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? Mm-hmm. If I say Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, what's your initial reaction? Philip Rivers, because numbers he never got the job done. Okay, but you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Hall of Famers should be like when I say that name, you're like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? And there's a lot of guys on this list that there's a question mark. You're like, you have to think, really think about it. Like, like if I, because again, if I have to like, because I just feel like if I have to like, really like think about it 
and have to go on my iPad or my iPhone and really look at their Wikipedia page and be like, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think. I think what it I think what should also be considered is like what they did for the game of basketball. Well, yes. For me, for me, for me, I feel like uh Chris Weber at one point in time was the best power forward in the NBA. At one point in time. At least it, it, you at least have to give that to him the year that he was playing the the uh Western Conference finals with uh with the Lakers and the Kings, because the Kings should have won that. Yeah, should have won that. But I think still most people would say Tim Duncan was still better than him, technically. Not at that I mean, time. And I don't like Tim Duncan, but listen, he's he's the best power forward of all time. Yeah, it's it's complicated. We'll it's it, complicated. It is. I look at Man. Sean Marion. I'm like, good player, but Hall of Fame player. Yeah. What about Sean Kemp? Like, I. I Sean Sean Kemp, like at least for the dunks. Probably. And then why is yeah, but but why why is George Carl in there? For as a yeah, as a coach, but that I don't get that. Yeah. If not, if not for the the I, well, I think I can't because he's been coaching for so long, I think he probably has, and again, I, I need to look it up, but my guess is he's probably at least in that top 10 all-time wins. Because mm-hmm. he's been coaching for, a, I mean, a very long time. Yeah. So that's my guess why he would be in there in that conversation. If you coach long enough, if you coach long enough, you can't, that can't happen. Right, right, right. So, again, that's that's just, and even, and again, that, that goes to not even just the Basketball Hall of Fame, but even the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just some, sometimes when I see when I hear certain names, I'm like, if I like, I have to pause for a second and think about it. Like, yeah, I, I definitely feel I had to pause on one name I heard. Which wait, which one? Oh boy. I already. could think of about. I could think. I could think of about I'm eight players. Trash list. I already know. Yeah, I I could think of at least eight different players that should have went in before uh, Paul Pierce did. <laughs> the truth is a lie. <laughs> so I can't wait till Coach Waco gets on the show. You and him are going to rag on Paul Pierce. So, but but yeah. I, I mean, how do you argue against it though? That that's what I'm saying. It's tough. It's Look at who he played with. Look at who he played with. I mean, even when it was just him and Antoine Walker, he was still putting up numbers. Yeah. They didn't have the team to get to get it that far. And then when he finally got the team, they got a championship and another finals appearance. And he was the MVP of the finals that they won. You know, people make fun of him. Like the reason why I said the wheelchair thing is because he had to be carried off in the wheelchair. And I think he later just said he had to go to the bathroom or something like that. But uh, it's hard to argue with his with his performances. I mean, this dude, you talk about LeBron James being probably the second best all time. He was giving LeBron buckets every single time the Celtics played the Cavaliers. Like one-on-one, LeBron could do nothing with Paul Pierce. He wasn't at as, as fast, as athletic or anything, but he was just, 
he's just really good at what he does. Like that was part of the reason that LeBron left because they was tired of losing to Boston. And then even like, I think he's what? Cause I'm looking at his numbers right now. Cause what for seven straight years, he averaged at least 25 and five. That's hard to argue with, right? It's hard there. to do. Because I'm with you. I mean, I don't like Paul Pierce. I no. don't. No. But, man. Yeah, the, the resume is hard to argue with. It really man. is. But I don't like what? him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't, like, for real, for I can't, I can't take anything away from him. Um, but I do think. I do think <laughs> I do think they have too many representatives from this uh that Pistons from team. from this they, Pistons squad. They got the whole starting lineup on there. Yeah, like everybody but Rasheed Wallace. Oh Rasheed God. Wallace and Tayshawn Prince. <laughs> yeah. <pretty much>. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, if we were if we were to if we were to say like who from that Pistons roster should be, uh, I guess in that in the Hall of Fame, like, who would it be if we I had to would, pick one? I would go with uh, Ben Wallace because he was at least yeah. uh, multiple, you know, defensive player of the year. So Like, you know, four, like four times, wasn't it? Like four yeah, or five times. Yeah, I mean, and, and even just contribution to the game, him being somewhat unique with him being – because he was, what, six, eight, six, nine? Very undersized. He was really undersized. You know, so I, that to me, he was kind of their. I wouldn't say he was their best player, but if there was like a hall of part of the heart of the team, from that team, yeah. I mean, I I, yeah. I would pick Ben Wallace for sure. Because yeah. you notice, okay, this this is the tough part. Because I would go Ben Wallace one. I would mm. go Chauncey Billups two. Then Rip Hamilton three. Uh, Chauncey Billups ran that offense, and he was the MVP of the finals that they mm-hmm. that they beat. Um, the Lakers, and they did make it back and lost to the Spurs mm-hmm. uh, in the finals. So, and, and they're Hill- kind of like they're kind of like the Bills in a way, because in a roundabout way. Because remember, like for what almost what six straight years they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah, like. It was it was uncanny. Like they were they were always there, always yeah. there, and they didn't play flashy basketball. And they were a true team. And I think that's why some people have an issue with like with these three guys is because not one of them stood all the way out. They just played extremely well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I agree, Ben Wallace has the more personal accolades uh, there. Chauncey Billups, I mean, he did okay when he went to Denver. Uh, him and Carmelo made it to the Western Conference Finals and Kobe and the Lakers took him out there. I mean, so like he did have success after Detroit to his credit. Rip Hamilton really never got back to that plateau. I know he spent some time in Chicago and kind of bounced around a little bit. So yeah. he really didn't have good settings to to be as successful uh, as a lot of people would hope he would. And Ben, ben Wallace, we saw what happened to him. Yeah, I mean – and this is the thing. This is the thing why I would I, I agree with Ben Wallace being number one is because you remember the series that put LeBron on the map. Was that series? Was it 07? Ben Wallace was. Yeah, he wasn't there. Ben Wallace wasn't there. LeBron yeah. had a free 
path to the basket and he noticed it and to his credit, he took advantage of it, but he, he, he wasn't doing that when Ben Wallace was under the basket. You couldn't do that. Nope. But when you have Rashid and you have Antonio McDice and stuff under the basket, yeah, I, I can go and punch it on you because there's nothing you could do to stop me. All you got to do is get Rashid in foul trouble. Yeah. I'm sorry, cursing. He's going to get attacked. Yeah, he's going to get thrown out the game. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and so for those of you who are not familiar with Rasheed Wallace, just think about Draymond Green, perhaps. That type of – but a little bit maybe even vulgar of a temper after that. You know, he just get kicked out in a heartbeat. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that showed his value, that even though everyone else was the same going forward, it was the heart because mm-hmm. – LeBron is, you know, you can score 20-something points in a row when you don't have to worry about being met at the basket with anybody. Uh, and they, they never recovered from that. They never recovered from losing Ben Wallace after that year. So, yeah. 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 But we'll see what happens. You know, they're going to whittle it down some, and eventually they're going to announce who gets in. And so we'll, we'll talk about it once we find out who gets officially yeah. in and, and see if the, the Hall of Really Good gets in, or do they really just narrow this down to like the great, the great ones out of this group? I, I do want to say though, I, it does make me realize like I don't think we ever, we never really could have saw like what Chris Bosh truly could have been, and that's that's what's that's what one of the thing, one of the things was I was thinking about when I was looking at the list. I was like, man, his career got cut too short. So, I mean, because the chance where he finally did get a chance to carry the team, like he, you know, it was just unfortunate what happened, you know, with his heart. But yeah. it would have been it would have been cool to see, like, you know, what he could have did, um, you know, with uh, with the Miami Heat after LeBron's uh, return to Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, and he definitely proved himself before Miami. So I, I have yeah. I have no beef with him in the Heat. Yeah. He yeah, was a walking double double. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty ten. I mean, he's pretty much a twenty ten guy. His whole for most of his career in uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're moving on from the Hall of Fame class. Okay, this is going to sound like the old man versus young man debate right here. Uh, so for those young listeners, feel free to comment on on this. Uh, but I think it's important that you get a little bit of perspective here. Okay. Uh, there's a big debate talking about are NBA players more or less skilled in today's era. So when people are comparing the, the great, the greats that came, you know, in the nineties and the eighties and earlier on to that, they're often being compared to the, the LeBrons and the, and, the, and the Kobe's and the KD's and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and people talk about how the players today are so much more skilled. Now, a lot of those folks are on the younger side of things. And a lot of the older folks, not all of us, but a lot of the older folks are thinking, well, hold on a minute. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're more skilled just because of the numbers, some of the numbers are putting up. There's different context to go with for that. Uh, so Coach Nighty, we'll start with you. In your opinion, are NBA players more or less skilled in today's era of basketball? Yeah, this is a tough one. Um... I'm going to say, so if we're, if we're including everybody in totality, I'm going to say no. Now you do have players, your KDs, your Kyrie's, your James Harden's, 
kind of similar to our earlier conversation with the power shift in the in the NFL. Mm -hmm. There's some top guys that have tremendous skill in terms of their whole offensive repertoire and even just their versatility on defense. But I think when we're talking skills, usually your mind goes to offense. So we'll kind of stick to that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, your top premier guys, I would say yes. But again, if we're including everybody, you know, that brings the average down. <laughs> so, uh, and I think the, the problem is, and I've heard this conversation kind of starting to develop as well, is the type of game that the NBA is today, it leans towards players being more specialists, not necessarily more skilled. Because I think you have a lot of guys that can shoot threes um, and they'll run to a spot and shoot the three and then catch it and shoot it, run off the screen and catch and shoot it. But that's pretty much what they do, pretty much all they do. Mm-hmm. And in a way, now you have guys like, like a Giannis or even like a Zion in a way where now the game is so spread out, these guys are able just to get easy dunks you know, at will. But is that skill or is that just athleticism? Mm. Mm. So, and even just to go a bit further, I do think Zion, just comparing the two between Zion and Giannis, I think Zion does show at least a little bit more skills because I see at least more shiftiness and at least some sort of offensive repertoire, some sort of move, some sort of change of direction Mm. when he's going to the basket, at least at times. Whereas Giannis is just like, people just kind of, yeah, you might as well just call him Moses. Like when he starts getting ahead of steam and doing his little go-go gadget arms, people just kind of move out the way and then he just gets a little layup or just dunks it, mm-hmm. you know? But when you see, but to me, what it really comes to fruition in terms of seeing the lack of skill in the playoffs, because yeah. you've seen certain guys struggle. Yes. Because, you know, once you, once you have to actually scheme for somebody um, in the playoffs and you're basically playing them every other day, it's different. Like, you got to really, like, skill your way out of situations. And you see certain guys aren't able to do that come playoff time or, or they, they really struggle come playoff time. So, for me, that's where I would say overall – if we're including everybody, everybody's roster from top to down, I would say no, because the game has permitted more, more of a specialist type of mentality and more of a specialist type of play instead of having more overall skills. Although I do think the top tier guys have at least as good skill or even better skill than, you know, previous NBA players. So that's, my overall thoughts. Okay. Okay. Coach K, it's on you, buddy. Man, I think. <laughs> he always looks so depressed, bro. Yeah. For the listeners, <laughs> we, yeah. When you see Coach K's face, you know, you, you know where his head is. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks so stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of have to break it down in a couple different ways. I mean, obviously, the I think the game has 
evolved to the extent that, I mean, it requires players to do more, especially like, especially like spot up shooters or handles. Uh, I mean, you're, you're talking about, you need big men to stretch the floor now. Um, so I think, I think it kind of depends on what the situation is. I think the, but then again, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's a different, it's a different type of basketball game, yeah. you know? So like, I feel like the elite players, like I'm, I'm talking like, talking like MJ, like Kobe, like, you know, those types of individuals, like, could do things against some of the best defenders and, like, do things that would just, like, just, like, how did he do that? Or, you know, like, how did he make that shot? Versus, like, now it's just, like, shake and bake, you know, break somebody's ankles, make them fall to the floor. You know, you could step back, shoot a three. I don't don't know. It's like – it's really hard to answer that question. I think I think how I'm gonna how I'm gonna preface it is I think the uh today's players have been able to change with the times. Uh I I do not think the I don't think that I don't think it's weird because like I feel like today's game requires more but also at the same time requires less because it's it's not as physical. So I mean, back in the day, like you're not you're not going to uh, Giannis, Giannis isn't going to do his his Euro step, you know, all the way to the basket. Like he's he's gonna he would have to learn how to do some. Uh, he's he would have to add some other things to his repertoire to 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 score, or to be as dominant as he would want to be. So um, I think they're really good players. Like I feel, I feel like LeBron's a really good player. He, he's been able to add to his game. But um, to say that, to say that today, uh, like today's players are more skilled than the, you know, like the players of, you know, like my time when I was growing up. I think that's, I think that's kind of, uh, I think that's kind of slap in the face. So, um, I want to say no. <clears throat> just I'm just going to say no. But I, I definitely think that the certain spots like have evolved more, especially the big man spot. Yeah, I I'm going to try to keep this concise. I have a lot of thoughts on this one. I'm I'm glad that yeah. you put this one in. Here. I have a lot of thoughts on this one. Uh, I'll start by saying. To what you all were saying, I agree, because you could pretty much take your top tier players of uh, the 90s, your top 10 or your top tier players of today's basketball, exchange them. They're both going to do really good in, in, in either era. Uh, it's, yeah, they're just that good. But where it regresses to the mean is when you look at, and Coach Natty T talked about playoff time. I, you know, I think it's interesting that the reason why we're so hard on Giannis is not because we don't, we have a vendetta against him. It's just because this man is absolutely athletically insane. 
and talented. He has talent or else he wouldn't be in the league. But with, in order to take your game to the next level, you also have to have the mentality that matches your game, that matches the game, right? It's one thing to, to be able to n- navigate the game in a way that you can put up some stats. It's another thing to actually know the game of basketball. Some of the players who were less athletically gift, you know, gifted and you know, a lot of things have changed as far as how you prepare for the game, you know, what you put in your body, all those kind of things. They had, because they didn't have the athletic ability, they had to know the game a little bit better to compensate for their lack of athleticism. Now, I think guys rely too much on their athleticism because sometimes it bails you out when you really don't know what you're doing. Russell Westbrook, as much as I love Russell Westbrook, he is an example of that. He's often out of control and his game is predicated on athleticism. He can't really shoot the ball that well. He can't defend that well, but he's so fast and he plays with such such a big heart that he can do things well in this league and put up numbers. He can average a triple-double, which is phenomenal. John Wall very athletically, you know, gifted there and works hard on on developing his body, but his game is also predicated on athleticism. When teams are able to neutralize your athleticism, what are you going to do now? You have to find another way to beat them. For instance, Jordan's athleticism, some due to his age and the wear and tear on his body, was declining a little bit. But also teams were like, we got to find a way to get this guy out of the paint. And he knew that his body couldn't take a beating that many times throughout the course of the season. So what did he have to do? He said, you know what? I'm not going to be able to get as close to the basket now. But what I'm going to be able to do is dribble to the basket. I'm going to turn my back and develop a post game that's good from 10 feet to 15, 16 feet. So even if you keep me out of the lane, I still have a way to score in a way that is consistently effective that you're going to have trouble guarding. So that involved him having to do footwork that involved him having to have body control and learning a new facet of the game. I do give LeBron credit this. He has evolved his game throughout the years, you know, so I'm not talking about LeBron as much, but Giannis ran into a wall against the Raptors when it's Kawhi, Mark Gasol, and Serge Ibaka. You take Serge Ibaka, Kawhi Leonard, and Mark Gasol away, and he still can't beat the Raptors. And they're doing very similar things that they did. They just have, and that that personnel isn't as athletic, they're not as talented, but they know what they can do to stop him. And it's working every single time. And in, in the episode of The Shop, it was the first one that LeBron did. And it was him and Draymond in The Shop. And him and Draymond are talking about basketball and the players that are playing right now. And LeBron specifically mentions that, you know what, there's a lot of talent, but most of these guys don't actually know how to play the game of basketball. They've been able to, to, to slide by with their athletic talent. So it makes up for the lack of knowledge of what's actually going on in the court. 
That's why you see so many missed defensive assignments, so much less court awareness. How many times have players stepped out of bounds catching the ball in the mm-hmm. wing? You don't have court awareness. You don't know where you are in the court. When Ray Allen doesn't even have to look at the floor and he just picks up the ball, he knows where he is and he shoots it while keeping his heels up because he knows he puts his heels down, he's going to be out of bounds, right? Like that's the difference aligned with these, the difference between some of these eras. It's the mentality behind the game and also the skilled footwork. What big men are dominating right now in the game? Jokic and Embiid. What are they doing well? They're not just perimeter shooters. You talking about the big men being better because they can shoot from outside? That's a facet to the game, but a lot of them were compromising that and not going to the basket and not doing what they need to do within 10 feet. So what's making them dominant now is that they're presenting the best of both worlds, that they're able to shoot from the perimeter and be able to hold their own under the basket. And they're actually they're not the most athletic guys. I mean, they can handle the ball a little bit better than some of the other big, big men, but they're not super fast and they're not super athletic, especially Jokic. But no athletic guy on this earth can guard him. Because he knows the game of basketball, he knows what to do with your body to make his game successful. That's the point where a lot of these athletes need to get to that I don't think they're getting at. That if it's run and gun basketball and you're so athletically talented that it kind of doesn't matter when it comes to crunch time, as Coach Knight said, when people got the film on you and they're able to play you back to back to back to back games, that's when you see the difference. And these guys... Giannis, Westbrook, Wall, a lot of that was said about Harden. We'll see what happens. I think his team is so stacked right now, he might be able to slide through with a championship. But in his former spaces, they are never going to win a championship. Never. Because of the mentality behind the game. And so since mentality is a skill set, I can't say that they're more skilled. Just because a big man can shoot from the three, but then sacrifices his in-paint game doesn't make him more skilled. He just changed his the skill set of the position. All right. So that that's that's what I mean by they're not more skilled. So some players are just as skilled, but I don't think anyone is actually more skilled than anyone from the 90s. As far as what your play, what your top players can do, what your players could do in general. That's just my take. I like it. Any last thoughts on that before we move forward? No, I like it. I tried to keep that concise. I had a lot on my heart. Um, so, <laughs> Coach Knight, Coach, it's like the barbershop. I hate when young cats come to the barbershop and start talking about players they never seen play before. Don't, See, we're don't gonna, do that. We're, 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 we're going to talk about that soon. So Yes, yes. I mean, for every Kyrie, there's an Allen Iverson. So talk, don't, talk, don't talk to me about no one's ever had handles like this Even Isaiah. Isaiah, yeah. You know, for every Curry and Kyrie, there's an Isaiah and Iverson. You know, so like, don't, don't, don't talk about better. Um, you know, so sports, sports just are something that has been in the market, and I can't for the life of me understand what this is. And every time we we research stuff for the show, you know, we see stuff, and I sometimes I come across things that just boggles my mind. Like, why are people paying money for this type of stuff? Uh, Coach Natty T, you wanted to spend a few minutes on the show talking about sports gifts and just this kind of industry that, that is developing before our very eyes. 
Yeah, so I think, well, Coach Wake Up sent the text. I think um, it, was, it was a podcast, but but I even saw it, uh, you know, me and my wife, because, well, when she's off, um, we usually watch the, uh, the Today Show in the morning, so that's my little morning confession, but... <laughs> <laughs> but we usually watch the Today Show in the morning, and even they were talking about it on on the show this week. So it was kind of ironic that he brought that up. Um, but yeah, I to be totally honest, I'm I'm really clueless on this because I again, like you, I really was trying to research it, and I understand the blockchain technology. Um, the company I work for currently, we use it. That's how we encrypt all of our files. It's a very you know, very dope idea for those that know, don't know what blockchain is. It's just essentially, it's just a new way of kind of encrypting space. It's kind of like a crypto, that's the best way I can put it. Um, it's kind of like crypto storage, if you will, because it's just a better way and a kind of a safer way to organize any crypto information or technology essentially um so based on that what they've done is they have these these gifts or memes whatever you want to call it and what's going to happen is using the blockchain technology they're going to be able to kind of encrypt these gifts if you will or gifs whatever you want to call it and make it to where they can actually sell these individual meme files to whoever. Um, so for instance, uh, I know the first ever tweet by the CEO of Twitter, what he, whatever he tweeted, like that went for like $2.5 million. Um, there was a LeBron dunk. Yeah, there was like a LeBron meme where he, you know, he's dunking on somebody. I think it was his first year in LA. I think that went for like one and a half million dollars. But for me, I'm totally clueless because I don't know what you do with it. Because again, you can't like, it's not like a photo. It's not like artwork where you can hang it up. It's literally a file that you have on your computer. So I can kind of get the, maybe the historical reference of it. Cause it's kind of like, okay, this is a piece of history. Because even like the first tweet ever, like that was the first tweet ever. So it's like, okay, I have ownership of the first ever tweet. So maybe that does have some historical value when you look at the context of, you know, the human race, if you will, just in the concept of time. You know, that is a time capsule moment, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I'm really clueless because the way they're going and even, um, you know, from what I understand, just doing more research, I mean, this is going to become kind of a normal thing now. I don't know if everything's going to sell as much as what the first tweet went for, but, you know, apparently this is going to kind of become the norm in, in, in the future. So I don't know how that necessarily mm -hmm changes the business dynamic does the nba get in on this are they going to start like selling their own gif memes of players like is that going to replace trading cards perhaps that you know, instead of having like you know the traditional cards that we used to buy like you know from upper deck or whatnot may, are, is it going to turn into sports gifs now i don't know so that's kind of where my head went 
um, you know, talking about it because I, I just thought it was a very fascinating concept for one. And just to see kind of how they're going to market it going forward and where it's going to go in the future. I mean, we'll see, but you know, I, I was just fascinated by it because I just don't understand what you're actually going to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. I just can't wrap my head around paying that much money for something that seems to be readily accessible in other avenues. Like for me to look at it, if I wanted to look at it, I could yeah. type it in. Now, the only thing that I can understand is that there's some type of ownership rights that you're allowed to have that every time that is used or every time that is looked up, you get X percentage. You have to pay to be able to utilize these things now. So now that, you know, all these mean things and things are free. Now, if you make them cost something, then that money goes to the person who purchased that every time it's being used. That makes sense. Enough to recoup $2 million worth. I'm not so sure, but that makes sense that kind of makes sense if you have ownership rights of, of those moments, of those moments. Just like I own point, trading right? cards. So if you wanted it, you would have to buy it from me. Right. But even to your point, like at a certain point, I'm just not going to use that. I may look at it, but I'm not going to use it. Yeah. It's not like a ringtone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where's the residual use? I, I mean, I don't know, but go ahead. I don't know. Yeah. I, that's the only thing I can see. So I'm anxious to see as this is developing, how people decide to use it and how people decide to profit off of it. And hopefully that'll bring us some clarity to kind of where this industry is headed in, in this direction. Cause I do see, you know, I, I have a bunch of trading cards, you know, from, you know, the seventies all the way up to the two thousands. And those are valuable to me. They are nostalgic and I did pay for them. But, you know, I paid a couple dollars for a pack of cards and not a million dollars just for a five second, you know, video of something. You know, I, and if I wanted to capture the moment, I would go and print off a poster of that and hang it in my room. You know, like, I, I just, I just don't see like the nostalgia behind that necessarily when there are other ways to capture that moment that are millions of dollars cheaper. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, Coach K, I go ahead know. and weigh in. Man, I like I said, I'm just gonna copy and paste whoever bought a two million dollars for the LeBron <laughs> gift and just make that my Facebook profile picture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I for me, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just me, but. Uh, I don't know. As far as like collecting things, like I need some tangible that I can hold in my hand. Um, so I mean, I I do realize at some point, you know, like physical, uh, any I guess phys- like anything that's physical takes up space. So at some point in time, I do realize like you know we'll probably do away with like DVDs and movies. And, Mm-hmm. all sorts of like physical media but i don't know i as far as like this whole gift thing like i don't know it'll, it'll just be interesting to see kind of how it plays out but i just wonder like who they're going to market it to because if 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 we're if people are showing out like you know 2.5 million for this stuff and i'm i'm thinking like this is uh for a 
a specific uh, segment of the American market that I'm not a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we could wait till Coach Wake Up is able to join us. I wanted to kind of talk about this situation in the whole, but I think to our group chat's perspective, and there we were talking about who gets to determine what's valuable and what's not, uh, who establishes markets and who can't. Uh, and all those things, I think this is another example. It's like, what in the world is happening? But you get enough people to do that and people want to ha- be exclusive and be able to participate in this market. And there's going to be a lot of money flowing through it just for people to say, I'm, I'm part of this and, and you're not and I'm doing this. And I think that's part of our capitalistic society in general. Uh, but uh, I think there's another layer to this conversation that we're going to have on a future show about the establishment of markets and who determines value and who, who cannot. Um, speaking of Twitter, uh, my guy, Quinn Cook, I don't even know why this was running through your mind, you know, and, and I respect you as a player, but when we're pinning up old school against new school, I think it's fun to talk about the what ifs. I have no problem with that at all, but you got to get the right matchup. Do you know what I'm saying? So what he decided to do is say, who will win a two on two between Magic and Bird and LeBron and KD? So Magic and Bird are on one side, KD and LeBron's on the other side, who will win? And the Twitter world went crazy with their thoughts. Coach K, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think wins? Why? What do you think about this whole scenario? Can I can I keep it a buck with y'all? Like, can I can I keep it real? That's Please, the only way honest. to do it on the coach's box, baby. Hey man, because I'm the real coach, K. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, uh, <laughs> like, what what's the point of these types of comparisons? I mean, like, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm so sick and tired of who's better who. Who's going to win in a two-on-two basketball competition? Like, are these dudes really going to get together and try to figure this out? Like, if, if we're going to do, like, comparisons like this, let's actually make it realistic. Like, uh, like compare the teams or something, not – I don't know. Either way, I'll say LeBron and KD would lose. Would lose. To to Larry, they would lose. Why do you to say Larry? That? Just I'm because. <laughs> Obviously, realistically, there's no there's no real way that 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 would probably happen. But I don't have any explanation. I mean, KD can pretty much with his reach and like just his distance and how he could shoot, he would probably just shoot it from just about anywhere on the court. Uh, I don't think anybody is bird or magic good enough to guard LeBron. Probably not. So. I'll go with LeBron and KD. LeBron and KD. All right, so we got one for LeBron and KD. (laughs) 
Hey, Coach K took off his glasses. He leaning back in his chair. He is stressed, bro. <laughs> oh, God. All right, Coach Natty T, I know you had some, some strong thoughts about this one. What are you thinking? Well, I don't have a problem with the question, per se. It's just... The fact that he posted it on Twitter, I'm just going to disregard everything else after that because I can't stay on Twitter. Because I get I'm not on Twitter, and then and Coach JB3, you're on Twitter, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure once he sent that question out, 95, 96 percent of the comments were heavily LeBron and KD, but in like a disrespectful manner to Magic and Larry. Yes. Okay. So that that's my problem with the whole thing is that, especially on a platform like Twitter, I'm not having that conversation. I'm out. I'm done. You guys can have it. I can be the old man that says, "Get off my lawn." <laughs> you do. You do sound like somebody uncle right now. <laughs> I do. I, I'm just like if it's if it's brought up on Twitter, like I'm out. Just 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 don't include me in the conversation. Um. However. With saying that, really looking at the matchup, I actually would give a slighter edge, a slighter edge to LeBron and KD, mostly because of KD. Yeah. Because I, I just, you know, with him being 6'10, 6'11, and thinking about a two on two matchup, because this is a problem I have with Twitter. They're not going to take into account what the, the question he's really asking. He's not, because when you're playing two-on-two, two, it's two-on-two. Two. There's no five-on-five. Five. There's no court spacing. There's no, okay, like I'm LeBron James and then I'm playing with Kyrie and Kevin Love or I'm playing with D-Wade and Chris Bosh and people are going to draw their attention away from me or they're going to be thinking about who am I going to guard so they get caught in between situations and so I'm just going to blow right past them. Like, no, I'm guarding you. You guarded me. That's it. There's no picks. There's no set plays. There's none of that. Because in this scenario, I actually think LeBron would, dare I say, not be as dominant. Because a lot of his best attributes are in a five-on-five -five setting. Because when he gets ahead of a steam, you know, when he starts running from half court or mid-half court and running towards a basket – guys get out the way so when people say oh he would just overpower magic or larry well no think about it it's two on two you check at the three-point line he can't get it he can't gain ahead of steam and what have we always said about lebron right when there's people in front of him standing in front of him like that he tends to just kind of like do the step back three Right. Because when you're standing at the three point line, you're not going to get ahead of steam to run at the basket. Right. And you're not going to get bailed out by just kicking it out to somebody. Right. right. You have to actually do a move and shake your guy. So with that context, I think he would actually struggle in this matchup. I think KD would be the one to carry it home because I just feel like he I don't think Magic or Larry could really do anything with him defensively. They can try to trash talk him. They can get physical with him. But his offensive skill set and repertoire is just so advanced. 
I think he would pull it out in a close game. So that's my honest opinion. But again, just to the original question, Twitter's not going to have a logical thought process like this. They're just going to say, oh, oh, Braun, Braun just overpowered him, man. You know, he's 6'8 and got a 40-inch vert. Like, that doesn't matter in 2v2. Mm-hmm. So that's my answer to that question. But overall, I can't stand Twitter. Forget Twitter. I hate Twitter. <laughs> So y'all can at me on Instagram, whatever. I don't really care. I won't answer y'all because I really don't check my profile. So you can go ahead and waste you your really time. Don't. <laughs> I really don't. Like I said, if I want to have opinions, I leave my opinions to the show because I can explain the context of what I'm saying and explain what I'm saying mm-hmm. and disagree. I'm not into this, this whole 160 character explanation of my thoughts, which is idiotic. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make my thoughts quick here so we can wrap up. I uh, I I did go with LeBron and KD um, a lot closer than what most people would have it. I too went because of KD. That was the determining factor for me. Not that Le- LeBron would suck at this, but um, it does not fit his strengths. And I think I think there's two players that are neutralized a little bit on the court here. And there's one for each team. In my opinion, I think magic is also sort of neutralized. Not to say that he wouldn't be effective, but if you look at someone who thrives off of fast paced distribution, uh, pushing the ball up the floor, you don't have a chance to do that in two on two. Does that mean he could still find the open man? Sure. You know, if, if Larry is able to get away and, and everything like that, uh, yeah, he can make a nice pass, but he's not going to be as effective as all. So I think those two, will be neutralized in this situation. So that left me with Bird and KD. Uh, they both have shots that will be hard for each other to block. Larry's not definitely not blocking KD shot, but I don't think KD would get Larry shot either. You know, and for those of you who watch the tape on Larry Bird, he had one of the highest releases and, and arcs in the game. And, and it's, um, and he, he was good at space. Yeah, Larry's six ten. He's not short. He's six. Not short. So you got two near seven footers that are kind of have a similar game when it comes to that getting off their shot in a way that you can't really disrupt their shot. Uh, KD has more of an offensive skill set than than Larry Bird has. I, I think it would be hard for Larry to keep in stride with them because KD takes these big steps, being tall and lanky. I think he can get get to a spot. Um, but I think they will win it in a close one. If they played to 12 or something like that, it'd probably be like 12 to 9, 12 to 10. I, I, I'm uh, guesstimating there. It would be a close score in those games. But KD is all the difference because worst case scenario, he's just going to pull it from 30 feet and swish it. And there's very there's nothing you could do about that. You just got to hope he's off that game. And if he's off, then you might have a chance to get one on them. But that I would say LeBron and KD because of KD mostly magic LeBron neutralized by the 2v2 situation um, and team LeBron KD wins by a couple points in the matchup. Yeah. Uh, I think he could have picked some better matchups there. You know, I, I, in order for, for it to be a little fair, if he did LeBron and KD versus, um, Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon, 
I'd have been like, ah, I, I think Jordan and Lajuan could take that one. I think they could legitimately beat those two guys. Uh, you know, so something like that, I think, would be more of a fair uh, matchup because both of their games, I think, would be okay in a 2v2, uh, those two, Michael and Hakeem. So, yeah, uh, versus maybe a, uh, I don't know, if we took LeBron out, who would you, like Kobe and KD, you know, so if you did Kobe and KD versus Jordan and Hakeem or something like that, that might have been a better matchup. Because all four of them will thrive in half-court matchup, like in half-court offense, you know, so. Um, but that's it for us on the Coach's Box this episode. Stay tuned for another episode next week. We appreciate all the love that's been shown and, and thrown our way. Uh, we appreciate that greatly. Keep listening, keep making suggestions, and we'll continue to put them on air. Uh, so on behalf of Coach Natty T and Coach K, I'm your host, Coach JP3. See y'all next week. Stay blessed. Stay safe, everyone. Peace.